the James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Hey Chris, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Fantastic. Um, so you've got some some 22 semions there, I think. That's correct. Yeah, I, got, I got them all here. I think um, as you're having a look at them, 2022, I think you would have seen by now probably some Waterval Rieslings, Clare Valley Rieslings 22. Yeah, and it's, really good. Yeah. It's, um, I think down there they're saying the best vintage in 20 years for, for whites. That's but right. Certainly here as well. I think our, our 2013s are really special for Samalon, and I think these yeah. are the best since then. I, I think they are. They're, well, you, you'll have a look at them now, but certainly we had a, a really wet winter and really wet spring. And then when we needed it to like we needed it to stop the rain, it uh-huh. sort of it stopped in about um, you know the start of December, and we had a really good run through to harvest. And you know they had really good flavors at quite low sugars, even though they're semi on and we picked them lower as you know anyway. But yeah. they just had such good flavor and like really low pH, but not super high TAs. Like it was just a nice balance. It was just yeah. yeah and, and you know we're really happy with them. I've got the bat one here because I didn't want to steal everything out of our cellar door. Yeah, we so you've got the Stevens there. So yeah, um, really wet. Yeah, and normally not normally, but I think sometimes with Sammy on James when they're this young, the aromatics can be a bit shy and they're a bit, uh, you know, they're easy to pass over. This but, is open, like wow. Yeah, yeah. particularly the aromatics is just like kaboom, you know. Yeah. And, um, and line and length, and they've got nice shape this year, which I really like. So the alcohols are all around about 11%, and they'll be on the labels if you want to have a look or I can email through, but yeah. 11% is kind of the average this year. But they've just got such powerful flavour, but they're still quite delicate, and I think sometimes that the mix of the two is a, is a good thing. The acidity is there, but there's this sort of dried fruit on the end and some nice phenolics. Yeah, and I think that's, that's something we've... Like probably over the last fifteen years, like I think maybe tried to build a little bit into, and yeah. just with the pressing and and things like that. And we used to, um, well, not used to, but a lot of white wine producers in Australia, like be it Riesling or Semillon, will usually find their juices and get them really super clean. And we've never done that, and I never understand why because I figure. If you've got a, and a lot of people still do, if, you, if you're finding them as juice, then you're kind of saying something's wrong with them already. You've got to strip them back. Um, but we've always embraced a bit of phenolic texture and a bit more weight than, than other producers. But I think that helps them age as well. So when you see the Tyrrell's wines when they're young, they look a bit bigger. But when you see them when they're old, they look five years younger than everything else. So did you just pour the HVD? Yeah, I did. So, yeah, Stevens, the one the first one you had that, the oldest plantings there in 1911. So, obviously, these are all pre phylloxera, all dry growing, et cetera, et cetera. So, HVD is 1908. So, that's 100 and what, 114 years old now. And, um, and HVD, it actually sits a lot lower and it's got these two old, old creek beds either side that. In the, in, the, in the really wet winters, it's always got really good underground water and it, it had, it's always got the biggest berries, it's got the biggest crop and you kind of get this looser knit, more approachable thing as a, as a youngster. And I think that's one of my favourites this year, that HVD. It's just so good to drink, that one. It actually smells like Mosul, like yeah. this thing. 
it's crazy this year. Yeah, that's a good crowd. I think we, we've just done, I think it's really interesting, like our closest customers, our direct members, we do a, a road show with these every year where we do a, yeah, a, master, a master class about one hour. So we've done 900 people in the last month around the country. And many people have said, they're like, these are the favourites we've had in many years, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people have said, like, they've got this Riesling aromatic. And I agree. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a mineral. And it's more totally. um, lime and mineral and some white flour and that sort of stuff. So Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, compared to, uh, to the Stevens, it's a little bit softer, not quite as intense acidity. Like, 100%. Texture. Yeah, Stevens is always, the, like, the laser. And HVD is a bit more, bit more cuddly in a funny sort of way. Yeah. And it's funny, those HVDs, um, uh, they're just at that age now, they've just got this, that, that's the one we've sold the most of as a youngster and that one, of, that one's the obvious one, but apart from that one. Um, but people have just been loving it, just that approachability, but... It's still got good assets, still got good length, but it's just the shape is sort of the opposite of the Stevens, isn't it? Yeah. How old is the uh, is the Stevens? Uh, the oldest. It's a mixture. It's nineteen eleven through to nineteen fifty. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a mixture of plant of, of planting dates. And then I think you've got the Belford next. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, right here. Yeah. So that this is like the outlier. And this is a bit more, um, and it always is. So Belford is the furthest north, so the furthest away from the mountain range. Um, it's always got a really low crop. It's always got really small, tiny berries, and it's always got this richness, honeyness. It's almost, um, you know, verging towards like a Chardonnay in its weight. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit more alcohol. So I think it's like 11.7, 11.8. Um, but it's just got this robust and dense and honey and, and it's just, it's almost a bit unsemilon like in a funny way. Not in a funny way. So that vineyard inherently is just more depth, more, more weight, more et cetera, et cetera. And that's 1933. Sometimes I, I, it's, it's exciting to think about the old vines and taste the wines. And, but at the same time, it's, it's not always that they're the best wines, right? 100% agree. That's how it is in Europe, at least. Like, you guys are, are really have special, um, it's a special place with old vines. So maybe I'm wrong, but it, I was just curious. That's just, so you think so also? No, the fir first rule of old vines is just because they're old doesn't make them good, you know? Okay, good. <laughs> and and we've, got, we've got some blocks that we don't bottle on their own that are old because... They're not good enough. Like they're, they're, they're good wines, but they don't have yeah. they don't have that X factor. They don't have you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, like that. I think it's a myth is the wrong word, but I think the old vine thing. Um, yeah, you shouldn't do it unless the wine is worthy. You know, it's a wonderful that the vineyards are old. Um, yeah, that's my take on it. Okay, so now we have the Belford. Yeah, so this is the richer one, almost a bit more like chablis like without the oak in a funny way like it's a bigger richer thing and people talk about terroir and whatnot but to me so this tasting you've just done now obviously they're all unwooded there's no oak involved they're all made exactly the same way yeah. same producer same region etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's just the the soil and the, the proximity of the mountain doing the doing the difference there and that belford's a completely different beast 
And like when it, when Belford's young, I usually don't love it, but they just don't change. They keep that way the whole way through. It's one of the longest livers we have. But as a young wine, like at this stage, they can usually be a bit, um, people either love it or hate it. It's a bit more controversial in a, in a big tasting. Yeah. Because it's not as classic as what people probably expect. So have you been, um, you'd be seeing a lot of 2021 reds from South Australia as well? Yeah, they're looking really good. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Good stuff, 21. And then I had some barrel samples of 22. And you know, I don't know, were you guys, um, were you hammered in uh, 19 and 20 with, um, with low yields? Or was that something here? Yeah, and 20 was over here was the bushfires on the East Coast, so smoke tank. Did you make anything? Not, not of the good stuff, no. Nah. So basically had it, it was the first time ever we had a like just a, a reset button. It was really weird. And then COVID hit yeah. straight away. Like it all happened in about two months together. Oh. So it was, um, it, yeah, it was a good, good, good learning curve for me. Um, yeah. But hey, you know, you know what wine people are like. Like we're all pretty resilient. If you figure out a way yeah. to get through it, we got through it. Yeah, because because you guys got a lot of good wines to drink when things go wrong. Yeah, and we've had a lot of wine, yeah. a lot of wine in our museums and and whatnot aging, so we could do some replacement stuff and whatever. <laughs> That's. But yeah. yeah, that must have been really. So, what did you learn out of it? You were just like, "Well, life's not that tough after all." What did you? What were you thinking? No, nah, a bit like that, to be honest. Um, you know, just uh, well, and I guess if you tie the the COVID situation into it, like you just probably as many business lessons more than probably wine lessons. Do you know what I mean? But I think so, certainly from a smoke tank point of view, we didn't know much about smoke tank. Uh, but now we know a lot more. Like I think we actually could have made a few more wines, maybe not, you know, that one old patch, but that middle ground, like 30 to $40, we could have, like, but you only find that out by going through it the first time. So now we know like how to treat vineyards um, when they get to the winery. Like we, we were flying blind a little bit the first time, but now we know a lot more, so I'm pretty happy about it. But, but you realise that you actually... Um, cause you know, I have a place in, um, Napa Valley. Yeah. So I'm, I'm there like a, six weeks a year yeah. and you know, all this, uh, problems that that area in Sonoma has had with fires, but they look to you guys for all the information. They know much less than you do. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think at the end of the day, you don't want it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's true. And, and you think about wet vintages with a bit of botrytis or a bit of sunburn in a hot year. And it's like, oh, fuck, I'll have that any day. I'll take that. Yeah, that's the right, that's the right attitude. Yeah. So now we have the VAT one. Now we have the VAT one. The Grand Cru, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So that, that one is not a single vineyard line, James. So, um, but it's basically basically the estate, but it's it's about seventy five percent from one vineyard, which we call the short flat, which is um nineteen twenty three. So that's ninety nine years old that vineyard, so pretty old. Um, but for me, where that one normally wins is just that persistence of flavour, like it just goes and goes and goes forever. That's what I'm pretty It's from nineteen twenty twenty three is the oldest planting there. Yeah, and I think it's important. Um, so we sell, I think I've explained this to you, but just to remind you, so we basically for these wines have two releases. There's basically our membership, our direct-to-consumer buy them this year and then in the export markets in whatever, 
it's another six years. But I think it's really important for, um, you know, people who know these lines like yourself to try them at this age and then we try them old as well and you'll see both, yeah. So. Why, like, and you make the wines to age, is that really tradition or it's just like, because you have such a unique um, Samuel, well, this is a unique white wine, it, you know, yep. it's, it's made from Samuel, that's amazing, but like what's the idea about re-releasing the aging it's sort of like uh there's not a lot of white wines that people talk about that that's right i think um i think it's probably so there's probably two ways to look at that james i think if you go back historically um my father and his father they wanted a point of difference and they knew these wines aged so well so they thought well let's stand out from the crowd and release them with that age to restaurants and, and the export market and whatnot. But I think over time that's become more important because you'd know better than me. So many wineries are under so much pressure to release their wines way too early now, like seriously, seriously early. Um, you know, I spoke to a, a Yarra Valley producer the other day and he's already sold out of all of his 2021 Pinot. You know, and it's like, totally. and, it's to, and I think, and, and I think if you've got something as you, and you know, I, these are really unique wines and they're no one else in the world makes a style like this from Semillon, right? So no. if we can, you know, if we're, uh, if we're okay to take the, the, the gamble, whatever, to keep them, then that's okay. Because when you're selling them, they're like nothing else. If, we're, if we were around the world selling this now, you're competing with everything, you know, whereas if, you know, you're competing with Young Riesling, you're competing with Chenin Blanc, competing yeah. with, you know, Sauvignon Blanc, um, but I think they are so unique and they're so tyrrells and it just gives us a stronger footing in the, in the world of fine wine, I think. And, and as you know, like fine wine needs to age. I think for it to be like, you know, that, that's an argument for another day perhaps, but I think really ultra fine wine has to be in people's cellars, has to come out 10, 20, 30 years, whatever. And I think you've got the ability to do it. With Semillon, people need to see the old one to buy, particularly if they're a new consumer to this variety, right? Like they can't just take you. They can't take your word for it. So 2021 is a little bit like 21's this. I think um, so. 21 was a cooler vintage, um, wet in times, but like no disease issues as such. But what they are is they're so elegant. And when you're coming off 17, 18, 19, like they're easy to make wines in those vintages, right? It's so easy because yeah. it's just like a gentleman's vintage, you know. But when I look at these 21s, I think they've got really good character and detail. And they're they're light to medium body, particularly that four acres, which is always the lightest. But these are not big wines. But I think we're doing a better job now than what we've done, you know. And I think, you know, from probably 2014 onwards, I think we're a little bit better at, like, letting the vintage, you know, give us what we get, so to speak. And... Um, I've tried a lot of 2021 hunters that have got so much oak and so much, you know, they've clearly, you know, added some 2022 back into it before they've bottled it. They've clearly, you know, they've tricked them up a bit and that's fine. But they age for, you know, decades from these old Shiraz vineyards and they're just different versions of each, you know. I think 21's lighter, but that four acres has got really good length, you know, it's deceptively long. And if you put that in a lineup of 20 Shiraz, the big slurpy one's probably going to beat it every time, right? But you're missing the point then, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
and then the old patch. I think the old patch, there's a, you know, we make up to 10 different charades, but I think the old patch is, oh, they're, they're the two best, four acres and old patch, but I think the old patch might be my favourite in 21. So, yeah, old patch, you've obviously walked that vineyard before, so that's the oldest okay. vineyard above four acres. So four acres, 1879, old patch, 1867. Um, yeah. Look, you know, you speak to those probably good producers around the world, certain certain wines, certain vineyards just make themselves, right? Yeah. Certainly don't have to do much with that one. But it's always, it's just got a little bit more um, concentration, a little bit more depth than four acres maybe this year. And it's got, I like the texture. It's got this sort of creamier texture. But it really has this sort of like terracotta and um, yes. iron. And yes. And again, just a single, one single cask. So, you know, just over 300,000, whatever it is, it turns out to be. So not much of it. I'd love to have five times as much, but that is, that is not the case. What's the largest production you ever made of this? Uh, no, about that. Usually one. So those, you know, those large format casks. Yeah. Um, so you, the sizes we buy are 2,800. 2.5 or 2.250. So the most we can make is a 2,800, which is which is what we've done in, in 21. But yeah, it's a um, pretty amazing vineyard, that one. Those, that's, yeah. So how many bottles would that be? Um, of the old patch this year, it's on the label. It's about 3,700, 3,000. Yeah, exactly. 3,660, yeah. you're right. That one. Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we don't do, we usually don't do any large formats because, hey, uh, 750 is more people get access to it, you know, if you start doing it with, yeah. Yeah. I think that old patch is just sort of stands stands tall pretty well. Old patch was off the charts as, as yeah. always. Good man. And so, um, yeah, have a great weekend. Um, I look forward to coming up and seeing you guys. All right, good. Great to see you, James. Thanks for your time.